How we doing, Rich Church? So glad you guys are here today as we continue this series called uh, Friday Night Lights. And uh, this would be probably the most orange that has been in church since 1998. So uh, that's a good thing, though. That's a good thing, though. UT football on a Sunday. I like it. I like it. So uh, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll get there in just a few moments. The last uh, three weeks, we've been uh, talking about uh, what God has called us to corporately as a church, but also uh, what he has called us as individuals to as well, just as believers. And so the mission for which God has set us on is not just something that, that we do uh, as a church. And so it's like uh, when we say um, that, you know, I'm, I'm going to get on mission when our church goes out and does something. It, it doesn't, it's not supposed to work that way. The way that it's supposed to work is, is that we as individuals should live our lives on mission and the church together comes and does it together. And so it's not just uh, the church that does it. I'm going to fix this. This is bothering me. I don't know. It's like, I'm going to trip over it. All right. So anyway, so it's not like, it's, it, that's, not what, uh, that's not what this is about. And so a few weeks ago, we started uh, like this. We said that we have to have clear eyes, meaning that we have to know where we are going. And Jesus gives us the roadmap to where we're going. And he, when he gives us the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, he has been crucified. He is resurrected. He is about to ascend into heaven, and he is standing before his disciples, and before them, he gives them their mission. He says, I want you to go in light of everything that you have seen, in light of everything that you have experienced so far, in light of all of the miracles that you have seen me perform, in light of all of these things, because of this, I want you to go and make disciples. And I want you to baptize them, and I want you to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And as you do this, I will be with you until the very end. That's what Jesus says. And so he says, that's your mission. That is your clear eyes. And so we talked about that a few weeks ago. Then last week we talked about what it means to have a full heart. We have to have a full heart. We have to be all in to this mission. Jesus didn't half die on a cross so that we would half give our lives to the mission to which he called us to. He fully died so that he would fully forgive us, that we could walk in full grace and full mercy so that we could give our lives to the mission to which he has called us to. And so we have to have clear eyes and full hearts. And I said this last week, but I believe it with all of my heart, that if we have clear eyes, knowing where God has called us to, what he has called us to, if we will get into that with our whole hearts, with our full selves, if we will be all in, then we can't lose. We can't lose. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. If we're listening to the voice of God and doing what he says, we cannot lose. Rusty, uh, Rusty mentioned just a few minutes ago, he mentioned uh, City Lights Church and uh, Missionary Church and, and these uh, organizations that we're a part of. They, they help form this uh, greater organization that we call the Ignite Church Network. And the Ignite Church Network is a network of churches that have come together. We're part of Ignite Church Network that have come together to plant churches. That's it. We don't go to conferences and, and sit around and make up a bunch of rules like you can't watch Disney or things like that. Like we don't, we're not about any of that. We're about just planting churches. That's all we do as, as part of this organization is we raise up church planters, we assess them, we send them out, we fund them, and then we support them. 
And so we are part of that. We have been a part of that network for a, uh, for a long time. And so um, it's really funny when I'm traveling somewhere or out somewhere and I'm meeting new people and people say, hey, uh, what do you do? You know, because those are the things that people ask you. They want to know, you know, what you do and where you live, right? And so uh, it's r- this past week I, was, uh, I met a guy from Minnesota and who actually grew up in North Carolina, right outside of Asheville, North Carolina, but he's uh, pastoring a church in Minnesota, and I'm having this conversation with him, and he asked me, he says, so where are you from? And I said, well, I'm right right outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. And he goes, where's that? I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you you don't know where Knoxville is? You grew up in Asheville, North Carolina, and you don't know where Knoxville is? He's like, never heard of it. I was like, Give me a break. I was like, you're kidding me, right? But, like, it's funny. You know, they, they want to know where you're from, and then they want to know, what do you do? Like, it, people ask you these questions all the time. They want to know where you're from and, and what you do. And so I will tell people, I, I say, I'm a church planter and a pastor. I pastor a church. We've planted a church. And so when I say that word church planter, they look at me and they go, what's that? What, what, what does that mean? And some of y'all are probably doing the same thing. You're like, I don't, what does that mean? I don't even know what that means. And, and so I have to explain to them and say, well, basically, I help start churches. We started a church. And then, no joke, I get this probably nine times out of ten, they go, can you do that? Can you start churches? Like, is that, is that legal? Like, is that allowed? You know, and so people are like, and I'm like, you know, churches, they, 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 God didn't put them here when he put Adam and Eve here. Like, they just weren't here when we all got here, right? Like, the, the thing is, is that church planting, here's the thing. Every one of you in here that is a believer that has ever been part of any church ever has been a part of a church plant. And it doesn't matter if that church was 200 years old, 150 years old, or 5 years old like us. That church was planted and started by someone else. And so every church, it always cracks me up when people go, Oh, I think church planting is evil. And I'm like... You were a church plant at one time. Like it, everybody that is a believer in some way, form, or fashion has been affected by church planting. And so starting new expressions of the church, like this one, is critical to us in obeying the Great Commission, the mission to which God has sent us out on. It is a vehicle for making disciples. It's not the only vehicle for making disciples, but it is a vehicle for making disciples. And that's what we've been talking about this whole time in this series is making disciples. Because that's what Jesus told us to do, isn't it? He said, go and make what? Disciples, right? Go and make disciples. And part of that is when we make disciples, new churches will start. Charles Spurgeon, a uh, theologian and pastor, Um, from England, he said this. He said, you are either a missionary or you are an imposter. No such thing as a believer that doesn't live on mission. Those are pretty harsh words, but I happen to agree with them. He says, you, you, as a believer, you're either a missionary, meaning that you're living your life through the Great Commission. You are involved in making disciples. You are involved in sharing the gospel in Jesus with others. You are involved in teaching others the commands that Jesus gave us. As a believer, that's what he gave to every single one of us, not just his disciples that were standing on the mountain that day. It's a command that each one of us as believers should be doing. And so, where did we go wrong in that? Jesus calls us to come and die, to give up our lives as he did for that mission. 
And so in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is having a conversation uh, right outside of this place called Caesarea Philippi. And this is a, uh, Caesarea Philippi is actually kind of a, a really rough place. It's, um, it's not the kind of place that you would have on your vacation itinerary. Let's just put it that way. It's very dark, very evil. There was, uh, there was the center of Baal worship, and Baal worship was this idol that, that people had, this other little G god that, that people worshipped. And so the this place called Caesarea Philippi was a little out of the way normally of where Jesus would be traveling, but he sort of makes a detour uh, and heads up there. And as he's up there, he has this conversation with his disciples in Matthew 16, starting in verse number 13. Listen to what he says. He says this. It says, now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Now, that's a really, really, really important question. He says, I know what they say about me. I understand what everybody else is out there. I understand what they're saying about me. I'm not so concerned about what they're saying about me. I'm more concerned with what you're saying about me. Who do you say that I am? And for each one of us, that will be the most important question that we ever answer in our entire lives. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that he is? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, meaning, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For the flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Verse 21, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on that third day be raised. Now, this is... Verse 18 in this is probably one of the most uh, misunderstood and misquoted uh, pieces of Scripture in the Bible. Because what happens is, is in this conversation, Jesus says, Who do you say that I am? And the one person that gets it absolutely right is Peter, right? Peter gets it right. He says, You are the Son of the living God. You're the Messiah, the Savior, the one that we have been waiting for. And Jesus' response to him is very excited. If you'll notice when you read the text, there's an exclamation point there. There's not a period. There's an exclamation point. Jesus is very excited about Peter's response to this, and rightfully so. But what we have done is we have taken that verse and we have said that on Peter, Peter being the one that that the church will be built upon, that that Peter is the father of the church, that it is Peter that, that churches will start from, and that's not necessarily correct. God uses Peter... But that's not, not, not exactly what it means. What it means is this. The name Peter, you'll see this in the text. The name Peter means rock. But the name Peter doesn't mean rock, like big rock. It actually means little pebble, okay? Now follow me here for just a second. It means 
little pebble. And so when Jesus says, you are a little pebble, Jesus says, on this Peter. He says, on this rock, this little pebble. Peter, you are a little pebble. But on this rock, I will build my church. Now, what is the big rock that he's talking about? He's actually talking about the confession that Peter has made, that Jesus is the son of the living God. That confession is the big rock. And so Peter, as the little pebble, is a little piece of the big rock. Meaning that on that rock, on the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and the Son of the living God, on that confession, that being the big rock, that is where the church will be built upon. On the confession, listen, on the confession that you and I make as believers. That Jesus is the Son of the living God. And so when we talk about church, you've heard us say this a lot if you've been around the Ridge for any period of time. If we, when we talk about church, we're talking about you. We're talking about you and me. Together, as one body, we make up the church. This is a building. And that's all this ever is. If this ever burns down, the church is still here. The church does not get destroyed. It's still here. This is a building, a place of, of meeting, and we're thankful for it but this is not the church you and i are the church and we are the church because as believers we have confessed that jesus is savior of the world and it's through that confession that jesus builds his church jesus says i will take this group of people and build this church not just pastors it's not pastors that just build the church it's you and I as believers that build the church. It's all of us together. And so let me ask you this question. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that he is? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever answered that question? Because if he is Lord, listen to me, he wants to build his church through you. And not just this church. We are one little pebble in the big C church that makes up his church together. And so how is, he going to, how, how is he going to do this and accomplish this? You see, this is where you and I get off the bench and we get to play a little. Now, if you're a sports fan, you've probably at some point in time watched some kind of draft, whether it be uh, NFL or NBA or something, you've, you've seen a draft where these athletes are coming out of school and they're, they're getting drafted into the professional ranks of other athletes. Now, here's the one thing that you will never hear an athlete who gets drafted say. I can't wait to sit on the bench. It's, I, I, I've, I've waited my whole life to get drafted to sit on the bench. You will never, ever, ever hear that from any athlete who has ever been drafted to play professional sports. They want to play. They want to get in the game. They want to do something. They want to have their name written in record books. They want to have their jerseys put into Hall of Fames. They want to do something great. But why as believers do we say, I'd, I'd just rather sit on the bench. I'm good right here. God did not call us into mission so that we would be sitting on the bench. He called us into mission because there is a job to be done and there is a church, a big C church to be built. And we can't do it with bench warmers. Listen, 
The cross has already outed every single one of us, and because of that, we all understand that we are all just merely JV at best anyway, right? None of us are, none of us are, are well put together. None of us have great skill. None of us are, are these amazing people. But because of the cross, because of the power of the Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus Christ from the cross, we have the ability to do amazing things. That's what we talked about last week, right? When Jesus said, I, I, that, that you will, I will give you the Holy Spirit and you will do and see greater things. And so last week I, I left you with that question is, do you want to see those greater things? See, there are two ways primarily that Jesus builds his church. And if you're taking notes, you can write these down real quick. Two ways. Number one, the first way that Jesus builds his church is through personally sharing Jesus. Around here at the Ridge, we call that reflecting the gospel. Being a reflection of the gospel, meaning that, that we are going to live our lives in a way that is a reflection of the gospel that Jesus has given us. Meaning that when we look at what Jesus did, we're going to live our lives in such a way that reflects what Jesus did. So that we can reflect that onto our community, to the places we live, the places we work, the places that we go to school, the places that we play. That we will reflect that gospel through them. And if we are reflecting the gospel then we are sharing the gospel. We are reflecting Jesus. We are personally sharing Jesus with others. Uh, turn back to Acts chapter 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. That's a CTS, not an X, actually. So. Acts chapter 8. Now, uh, verse 26. I, I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago. And in this service, I actually completely butchered this because... I uh, called Philip Stephen the whole time. Okay, so I'm a sinner. I need to read my Bible. All right, uh, check this out. Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. It says this, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went. Follow along with what's happening in the story here. An angel comes to Philip and says, I want you to go to this place. And he gets up and he goes. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And so Philip is here. Philip hears the word of God. He hears the voice of God say, I want you to get up. I want you to go. And he goes, and he finds this Ethiopian eunuch in his chariot, just kind of hanging out on his lunch break, reading the Bible. It doesn't get more obvious and easy than that, right? Listen to what happens next. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? In other words, he says, how can I unless somebody explains this to me and makes it clear? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For, this, for his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or someone else? And so the Ethiopian is completely oblivious to the fact that, that it's actually talking about Jesus. And, we, and so he basically says, hey, 
Who's this talking about? Is this talking about himself or somebody else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the Scripture, he told him the good news, the gospel about Jesus. Gospel means good news. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azadus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Now, it's, uh, it's interesting to me because here's Philip. What did Philip do? Let's see. He, he went, he made a disciple, he baptized him, and he taught him to obey all that he had commanded him because God was with him. Now, it's very interesting when you read this story, when you look into church history, is that what happens next is even more amazing. I love that story, but church history tells us that, that one of the greatest groups of churches was not here in America, it was not in Europe, but in the beginning, one of the greatest groups of churches that produced some amazing theologians and other pastors actually came out of northern Africa, where Ethiopia is located. St. Augustine actually came out of northern Africa. And so it's, it's possible, it's possible that the first Christian convert could have been this Ethiopian. He could have been this Ethiopian whom Philip shared the gospel with, went back to Ethiopia and began to share the gospel with others, began to, to do exactly as Philip taught him to do. Why? Because discipleship, again, it does not end with you, it begins with you. Discipleship does not end with you. When you become a believer, it doesn't stop there. The gospel does not die with you. The gospel starts with you. And then it carries on to the next person. It doesn't end with you. It goes through you. I could say this a million different ways until you finally get it. It does not stop with you. It has to go from you. Shall I keep going? We got it. We good? Like, it just, it keeps going. It does not stop with you. Because if it stops with you, if it stopped with Philip, guess who's not here? Us. Us. Ridge Church. If it stopped with Peter, guess who's not here? Us. If it stopped with Paul, guess who's not here? Us. It goes through us. God is still using small rocks to build his big rock church. He used Philip, a small pebble, to build his big rock church. Today, here in just a few moments, some of these small pebbles are, pebbles are getting in this water today. That's right. To be baptized today. One of the things that I love most about, uh, about this church, are a million things, but one of the things that I, I really love is that... Um, when you make disciples of other disciples, we see in Scripture and we believe that you have the opportunity to get in the water with them and baptize them. And that'll happen today. And so 
This water is not just reserved for pastors to baptize people. There's nothing in Scripture that says you have to be an ordained pastor to baptize somebody. It's disciples baptizing disciples. What did Jesus say? He said, go and make what? Disciples, and then do what? Baptize them. After you become a pastor and go to seminary. Not what it says, right? After you lead children's ministry, after you, you know, whatever. After you get a certificate, you know, hang on your wall and dust it off every now and then. It doesn't, it doesn't say anything like that. It says, it says to baptize them. One of the people that's getting in the water here today, her name is Crystal. You'll meet, if you've not met Crystal yet, you'll meet her in a few minutes. And um, I just want to read you Crystal's story because it's uh, a picture of what this looks like. And it says this. She says, ever since I was nine years old and I watched my sister die, I've been depressed and lost. People tell me about religion and how it could help me, and I never understood in 2009, one of my children barely survived a near drowning, and I began to try to reach out to God, but I didn't know how to start a relationship with him, and to be honest, I was quite embarrassed how ignorant I was about him and the Bible, so I gave up. Little by little this year, I've become more interested in getting to know Jesus, and my first time attending the Ridge was on Easter Sunday. <clears throat> I absolutely loved it here and felt very welcomed. I guess you could say my turning point was when I heard the song, Come As You Are. It felt like that song was speaking to me, telling me that no matter what I went through in life, heaven can heal it. Every time I heard that song, it was like a pull in my heart, and I immediately started crying, and I didn't understand why one song could be so powerful until I realized that it was the Holy Spirit trying to talk to me. Every week, I feel myself changing little by little, and I'm just amazed at what can happen when I actually let go and let God take over. I now know that when I have him, there is nothing that together we cannot overcome. Crystal's story is one of many stories that we get to share with you guys here at the Ridge. And, and I love it. I love stories like that. I love how she understands that she's in a process, that it's, that it's going to be a journey for her, that she is slowly changing because she is being discipled. She is on the road to being discipled. And she is also sharing Christ as well through her own life, reflecting the gospel. And this is what happens when the gospel doesn't die with you, when it goes through you. It doesn't end with you. It just begins with you. Um, I told you guys a story last week about uh, one of our elders that passed away earlier this year, John Monday, and I I've got a million stories, and so t I, I got another one for you here today. And so he, uh, I, I, I love this because this is just a, a picture of how the gospel doesn't end with you, it just begins with you, it just continues to go on and go through you. But um, the day, uh, the night actually, that we, um, that, that we celebrated John's life that we, at, at his funeral service, it wasn't really a funeral. It was really a, a, just a celebration. But we, uh, we gathered together, and when I say that there were nearly 1,000 people there, I think there were literally over 1,000 people there packed into this uh, church. It was not this church, because that would be crazy, but uh, in another church uh, here in town. But uh, literally, like, over 1,000 people in the room, just everywhere. It was, it was amazing. And so I remember uh, just standing up and sharing how, how the gospel had changed John's life. And how it didn't end with him, it began with him, that the gospel went 
through him. And so I, I asked the simple question. I said, let me ask a question to all of you here uh, tonight. If you've been affected in some way by the gospel through John, it, whether it being invited to church by him or uh, being changed by the way that he lived his life through the gospel, so on and so forth, I said, let me, just, let me just ask you to raise your hands up. And when people raised their hands, I'm not joking, there were hundreds of hands in the air. Hundreds. Because the gospel did not end with him. It went through him. It did not end with him, it went through him. Some of you are here today because of the gospel that went through him. You see, you may never plant a church or speak from a stage, but you can share Jesus with somebody. Nobody said that you had to be a pastor. But you can share Jesus with somebody. And so I challenge you this morning to get your swimming trunks ready. That as you allow the gospel to go through you to affect others, that you will get into this water with them. I'm telling you, church, if we do that, we're going to need a bigger building. Or at least a bigger parking lot. <laughs> One of the two. So the second way, number two, and I'll close. second way that God builds his church is that God uses church planting. Now, again, I don't want you to think that this doesn't apply to you. This absolutely applies to you. Listen to Acts 11. Just turn back a couple of pages. Acts 11, starting in verse 20, or I'm sorry, 19. It says this, it says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, now Stephen was another apostle who had been uh, stoned to death for his uh, preaching of the gospel. And because of this, uh, other believers scattered throughout the air area. It said, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, meaning people who were not Jews, the other Greeks that were there, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great... Does, doesn't that sound familiar? And I will be with you always until... Yeah, okay. So the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted all of them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. And so Barnabas comes, and he says, you guys are doing an amazing job sharing the gospel. Don't stop. Do not quit for he was a good man full of the holy spirit and of faith and a great many people were added to the lord so barnabas went to tarsus to look for saul and when he had found him he brought him to antioch for a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people and in antioch the disciples were first called christians listen this was the first church plant that believers left, who were not pastors, they left and they went to Antioch and they went to these other places and they began to, began to share the gospel with other people. And a church in Antioch has now been born. It's how we got into this building because of that story right there. 
Your story of salvation has someone in it somewhere that said, yes, I will go and make disciples. If you're a believer, someone shared the gospel with you, and that person who shared the gospel with you shared the gospel with you because they said, yes, I will go and make disciples. Here's what I know when I read Scripture and look at the history in light of this biblical worldview is this, is that the big C church is not God's plan B, it is God's plan A. And here's the beautiful part about it. This is what Jesus said. He said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell will never prevail against it. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. One more verse, and I'll close. Revelation 1. Verse 7. It says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, talking about Jesus, and every eye will see him, and even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will well on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who, is, who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Skip down to verse 18. Listen to what it says here. Or verse 17, it says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Can't lose. Jesus has the keys of death and hell, and he got them because he died, and he went behind the gates, and he snatched them, and he came out with his resurrection. And so something to pray about for each one of us today as we close. Maybe this is something that you have never prayed about yourself, but I just challenge you to pray about this today, starting today. Is that maybe God is calling you to be part of, in some way, church planting. And maybe it's not through pastoring a church or necessarily starting a church, but just being part of a team that helps start churches. Some of you, God may be calling you to actually plant a church, to start a brand new church. Here's how you know that God is calling you to plant a church, to start a church. It's because after today, you won't be able to stop thinking about it. It'll drive you crazy. Your confession is like Peter's. That Jesus is the son of the living God. Then listen, we have work to do. We have work to do. You, me, us, right here in this city, beyond. There is work to do. So for the last several weeks, I've done nothing but share this vision with you. Next week, we're going to close this series out. We're going to celebrate some of the amazing things that, that God is doing. But hear me when I say this. We don't want you to sit on the bench. You did not get drafted to sit on the bench. You got drafted to play. Regardless of your background, regardless of your past, regardless of your current circumstance, you have been drafted to play. 
unless God is the one who has told you to sit on the bench? Newsflash, he hasn't. Then it's time to play. It's time to play. God's doing something special right here. Rusty talked about City Lights Church, and God's doing something special there at One Life Church. He's doing something special there. At Aroma Church, he's doing something special there. At Ignition Church, he's doing something special there. At Robertsville Baptist Church, he's doing something special there. Listen, God is working in his church because he is building his church. And so we want you to be part of that. And you can be a part of that in so many different ways. You can be part of it through serving part of it through being generous. You can be part of it by just praying about who God's leading you to engage in spiritual conversation about Jesus and to invite them into conversation or invite them even to church. But you get to play and not sit on the bench. And so I'm going to make this really, 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 really simple for all of us. Okay? Here's the deal you're sitting there and you're going, oh, okay, well, I should probably just go home and and pray about it. Listen, I've read the book. He doesn't want you to pray about it. He already answered you. He called you to play. You don't have to pray about it. Can you pray about where he wants you to play? Sure, you can pray about that. But if, if has already been answered for you. Where might be another question, though. Bob Marley in one of his last concerts that he played a few days before he played that concert he was shot somebody tried to assassinate him and two days later instead of laying in the hospital bed he gets up and he goes and he plays this concert and a reporter asked him after the concert he said just shot two days ago. Why did you go and play this concert? This is what he said. He said, he said, the people who were trying to make this world worse are not taking a day off. How can I light up the darkness? That's an echo of John 1, 5, where John says about Jesus, he says that he is a light in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. God, we thank you so much, Lord, for how you have just encouraged us, God, how you have spoken to us, God, how you have called us into mission, how you have called us to play, to not merely sit on the bench and just watch others do it, God, that you've actually called us into being a part of what you're doing, and how fortunate we are to be a part of that, how amazing it is to have a front row seat to watching you change the lives of others like we get to see in just a few moments. So God, we know what you have called us to. Just give us the courage to step into it. Give us the courage to say yes. Give us the courage to ask where. God, and let us step into that. Let us step into that and live and breathe 
love you, Jesus.